Um, as you know, we are in the middle of a series dealing with making better choices to become a better you, a new you. And I had a great message, if I don't mind saying, uh, about, about resting our bodies. And perhaps if, if the Lord wills it, I'll, I'll come back. But I, I've been wrestling all week with what to share and what to talk about in light of all that we have been experiencing as a community and in our community and amongst ourselves. It's been a tough week and I thought I would share from my heart based on what's been happening around us. So if you bear with me and let's go into the word of God this morning, this afternoon. Um, I have a word of encouragement, a word of strength. Because I don't know about you, but I'm tired. <laughs> and I need to be encouraged. We thank God for the music. Choir, can I just say publicly that I am over the top proud of how amazing you sounded today? <laughs> to God be the glory. Uh, great things he has done and he's doing. And I thank you, Elder Cox, for leading us in such a powerful moment of prayer and supplication and intercession. Let's get into the word. Turn with me to the book of Lamentations. It's a familiar text. Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. Thank you, Lord. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 20. You have a say, Amen. I'll read in your hearing from the New King James Version. And it reads, my soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to mind. Therefore, I have hope. Somebody say hope. That through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And then he goes on to declare that the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. For the next few moments, I want to speak to us, have a conversation, have dialogue about the following topic. Use your words. Use your words. Father, we know that your presence is here. We feel your spirit. We just ask now, Lord, that you remove any distractions, any hindrances that would hinder us from receiving this word right now. Pour into us, oh God, so that we can pour out into somebody else through this word. Hide me, use me, cover me. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. So as, we, as we've already established, this week has been tragic. Um, and it's personally left me speechless uh, and numb. I keep replaying the, the live recording of the death of Alton Sterling. I, in my mind, I keep seeing Philando Castile wishing that I could unwatch what has been recorded. Haunting. 
many of us here have chosen to use our words and pour out our grief, pour out our sadness and pour out our anger and our pain on social media. And so I took the liberty and went to some of y'all's pages. Don't be mad at me. I apologize if in advance if I'm, uh, you know, doing too much. But I, I went on the, the page and one of your, some of your pages and I decided to share anonymously, of course, what some of you have been sharing and talking about by using your words about how you've been, um, been feeling about what's been happening. The first one that I came across said, I have a simple request for those you are who are supposed to protect and serve us. Stop killing us. Another one of us in our community said, I'm tired, I'm scared, I'm heartbroken. I have to worry about my sons. I have to worry about my husband. I have to worry about my brother, my father, my uncles, my cousins, my friends. When will this end? Another one said, my heart and stomach turns again. When will the, hi- the hate crimes end, Lord? When will justice be served? When will genocide stop? When will the punishment fit the crime? How can we stop it? The last one says, there's a time for everything. We grieve today for another young black father who was killed by police officers again. We will recover. We will rise. We haven't lost faith. We're just tired. And we're hurting. And we're grieving. So, yes, we have collectively been singing many sad, sad songs this week. But the fact that the book of Lamentations is in the Bible, is qualified for inclusion in the scriptures, that suggests to me that when we choose to follow Jesus, there are going to be some days when we have to sing a sad song. You're not going to always want to use your words to make a joyful noise. There are going to be days when you want to sing a song of weariness. There are going to be days when you want to sing a song of distress. Jeremiah knew this. No blues singer ever sang a sadder song than Jeremiah. Jeremiah was rejected by his people. He was persecuted by his people. He was forbidden to marry any woman from amongst his people and could not resign from his position of preaching to the people. Can you feel his pain? Of course you can feel his pain. You know what it's like to feel rejected. You, you know what it's like to feel persecuted. You know what it's like to be unable to resign from the permanent position that you have because of the color of your skin. It's in this text. It's in this context that we find Jeremiah sadly pondering the extent of this horrible current predicament. It is in this context that we find Jeremiah gazing hopelessly upon the devastation and desolation of his beloved city, Jerusalem, of his beloved city, Cleveland, of his beloved city, Dallas, of his beloved city, Baton Rouge. He's, he's looking out and he's, he's devastated. It, it is in this context that we find Jeremiah weeping, weeping. He's known as the weeping prophet, weeping loudly over the disobedient, rebellious children of Israel in, in exile. And so because he's, he's living this, this horror, because he's living this horrifying reality, Jeremiah was moved to write five poems of pity. And that's why we have this book. And I imagine, using my imagination, that he wasn't just any poet. I, I imagine that he was some kind of like hip-hop lyricist. Not a rapper, 
uh, a lyric says? There's a difference. Look it up. So deep, I'll prove it to you. So deep was the sorrow of Jeremiah. Here's why I think he's, he's really, you know, creative with his words. He even employed the use of an abecedarius. Let the church say abecedarius. Abecedarius. It's, a, it's an alphabetical acrostic using the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet to get his point across. So I, I bet there's some people in the room right now, you've been so down, you've been so downtrodden, you've been so depressed this week, you could easily use the 27 letters of the alphabet to compose an acrostic that describes how you really feel. You're agitated. You're burdened, you're contrite, you're, you're distressed, you're exasperated, you're failing, you're groaning, you're heartbroken, you're inflicted, you're jittery, you're cuckoo, you're, you're lugubrious, you're morose, you're numb, you're oppressed, you're perplexed, you're questioning, you're resentful, you're stressed, you're tormented, you're upset, you're vexed, you're wearisome, you're exsanguinous, you're, you're yucky, you're, and you have a zero, zero desire to smile have you been there before where you feel like Jeremiah unable to ignore the trouble around you unable to shake this feeling that you might be used for target practice one day Unable to shake this feeling that, man, when my children leave, this, leave out the door today, I don't, I don't know for 100% if I'm going to see them when, they, when school gets out. I, I'm troubled right now because, I don't know, I'm, I'm feeling some type of way because it feels like my prayers, sometimes it feels like, Lord, why do I even bother, God? I, I'm reading my Bible right now, and I'm like wondering, like, God, are you for real? Like, the, your word says this, but I feel like it's a joke right now because of how my society and what my society is going through. You feel like Jeremiah. The good thing is, when you feel like Jeremiah, Jeremiah, although he felt distraught, Jeremiah had a memory. He remembered. He remembered in the days of his youth. <laughs> when God invaded his personal space. And stretched out his hands and touched his mouth. You can read about it in Jeremiah 1. Declaring, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. And because God used his words and transferred them into Jeremiah's very being, years later, all of his overwhelming despair, all of his grief had to subject itself to the sustaining power of God's word. I know this is good news for somebody in the room. I know this is good news for somebody because with all the problems, with all the heartache, with all the tears happening in our world today, please be encouraged and know that there is not a tragedy big enough in your life right now that could separate you from the word of God. The word you, the word you got was yesterday maybe. Maybe the word was last week. Maybe it was years ago. But the word of God promises not to return void. He said, I remember. I remember what you said, God. So I still will nurse this glimmer of hope. 
The Bulgin translation says it could have been a whole lot worse if God's mercy wasn't there. <laughs> the, the Bulgin translation says that com- the compassion of God will never expire. Uh, it's like clockwork. It's, it's new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness, right, God? So I know you're angry. Absolutely. Are you distraught? Yes. Have you had some real thoughts about taking some matters into your own hands and doing some crazy work? Absolutely. But when God's word is absorbed into the fabric of your life, even in the midst of deepest suffering, even in the midst of deepest pain, God will bring to your memory a word that will strengthen you. Can we talk about some of these words? I'm going to share three words that can come and give you peace and encourage and strengthen you. The words that Jeremiah remembers, Hased, mercies. When you look at the rebelliousness of Israel, it's clear. It's no wonder that Jeremiah declared, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Mercy says this. This is what mercy, the word mercy is saying. Mercy is saying, as bad as your situation is right now, it could be a whole lot worse. But because of the loving kindness of God, you're still here. Now, that's currently, for some, that could be seen as an unwelcome word for many. Because with all the violence, all the oppression, all the racism, all the economic exploitation in our country right now, the last thing I want to be told is that the Lord's mercies are present. But the reality is this, saints of God. I don't know why it's raining so much in our society. I don't know why it's so cloudy cloudy right now. But the sun always still shines when it's cloudy outside. Do I have a witness in this place? You can't always see the sun, but the sun is always there. And saints of God, if you can believe that the sun is still shining, then I'm asking God to give us enough faith to acknowledge that it is still because of God and through God that we are not consumed. It is because of God and through God that we are not destroyed. It is because of God and through God that we're not annihilated. It is because of God and through God's mercies that we are not destroyed. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Because I could have been dead. I would have been dead. I should have been dead. But mercy stepped in. The sovereignty of God decided to say, mercy be upon you. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that God is slow to anger. Does anybody, can anybody agree and say, God should be angry with me? (laughs) But I thank God that he is abundant. Abundant in mercy. The next word that Jeremiah remembers is rakem. Compassion. Rakem, compassion. In the midst of all the trauma, in the midst of all the devastation, God's compassions fail not. Mercy explains, this is the difference, mercy explains how God functions in our lives. He rescues us. He delivers us. He saves us. But compassion, compassion explains how God is connected to our lives. (laughs) The connection is unbreakable. (laughs) The connection is unshakable. The connection is indestructible. The connection is unconditional. Why? Because God's love is unconditional. For I am convinced, the Bible says, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Many of you can probably relate to this uh, because we all have a mother, and I can tell you, 
that I delay telling my mother certain things when I'm going through certain things, when I'm going through a tough time, because I recognize how sensitive she is. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. How connected she is. How compassionate she is towards my pain. I've literally seen her be physically in pain. We call it holding your belly in our, in our country. Holding your belly because of how she's literally connecting with how I'm feeling. Watching her favorite daughter, I mean oldest daughter, uh, go through it. Now, my mom's compassion will drive her to do almost anything to decrease, to, to decrease my misery. So, for example, a couple years ago, I lost my job. I was devastated. And I called her, crying about the whole ordeal. And that's partly why I'm here now, by God's grace. But my mom, so connected to my pain. My mom, so connected to my misery, was compelled to pick up the phone and call my boss. Uh, hello, my name is Pat Bulgin. I am the mother of Kimberly Bulgin, and I know that she is an adult, but um, I want to know what is going on. I mean, she's been working for you for all these years. How could you do her like this? What did she do to deserve? I'm, I'm not exaggerating. What did she do to deserve this? Where is God in all of this? <laughs> I got a phone call <laughs> from the principal. He brought me back into his office. He said, um, I'm going to increase the amount that we were, that we're going to give you for your severance package. Come on in here. Let me tell you something. Shout out to the moms that don't care and will do whatever it takes to make sure that their children are okay. Do I have a mom in the house that would unashamedly, unabashedly, 905-do-do-do, call that number and say, listen, you can't do my baby like this. I'm wondering, can we transfer that, that boldness? Can we transfer that audacity? Can we transfer that tenacity and take that same desire and say, God, what can I do? Because people all around me are hurting. Where are the people of God that has the guts to be connected, has the guts to stand in solidarity and say, I know you're hurting. I know you're grieving. I'm going to do everything that I can to ease your pain. If you go to the NAD website, the NAD Facebook page right now, NAD, North American Division, they, they issued a statement saying that, you know, we're sorry, we're, we're here with you, we're, we're standing with you because of all that's happened. And then you read those comments of people, black and white, that are completely against supporting the people of God. It says, where is the compassion? I'm tired of a polite, complacent Adventist upbringing that stifles our ability to prophetically speak truth to power because 
sin that we feel in our hearts. There needs to be a shift. There needs to be a movement where we don't care if we get messy. We don't care if, we, if people talk about us. We don't care if people are going to think differently about us. We are going to do whatever it takes to help people that are going through pain. Do something. Anything. Do something. Because you are compelled. Because something within you can't, you can't go to bed. You, you can't sleep. You, you're restless because there's something that needs to be done. That's compassion. If Jesus was compassionate, if he was able to say his compassions fail not, we ought to be able to say the same thing. I don't know about you, but I just thank God that he's not fickle. I thank God that he's not, "Mm, maybe, he's not moody at all. I thank God that he he doesn't sit on the sidelines. He's in the middle of it all. And if Jesus is in the middle and we are the hands and feet of Jesus, we ought to be in the middle too. God, your compassions, they fail not. Which leads me to declare the last word that Jeremiah remembered. Emuna, faithfulness. 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 Great is your faithfulness, oh God. Great is your faithfulness, oh God. Which means God promises, this means God promises to live up to the qualifications of being God so we don't have to be God. I thought I would get more of an excitement there. I said faithfulness means that God promises to live up to the qualifications of being God so we don't have to. Let me give you an example. God promises that we never have to worry about the unknown because he uses the word everlasting. That qualifies him to be the same yesterday, to be the same day, and to be the same forevermore. I think you're with me now. God promises us that we never have to wonder if he's going to leave us because he uses the word omnipresent. And that qualifies him to be everywhere at the same time. God promises us that we don't have to judge others because he uses the word justice. And that qualifies him to be in charge of judging everybody in this room. God promises us that we don't have to worry about our weaknesses because he uses the word omnipotence, which means that he makes every single thing possible in his strength. We don't have to worry about our mistakes because his use of the word grace, grace, grace qualifies him to work out everything for our good. He uses his words for our good. But for this preaching moment, the most relevant attribute of God's character, thank you, Lord, is that he promises us that we never have to live tomorrow on today's strength. Let that hit you. You never have to live tomorrow on today's strength because just like the sun promises to rise with each new day I wish I had a church that believes me just just like the moon promises to shine with each new night just just like my lungs promise to keep me breathing with each new second of every single day God uses the word faithfulness to qualify him to distribute new mercies every single day new mercies every single day day new mercies every 
single day. Doesn't that excite you? That you don't have to worry because he knows tomorrow's mercies will not make it for today's burdens. He knows that tomorrow's mercies will not make it for today's bloodshed. He knows that you need a new amount of mercy. Now I know it's hard that with everything that's happening around us, we've been exposed to so much that God's mercy, it feels like, man, have you run its course? Like, do you have some mercy still left over? Because the amount of mercy that you had to pour out this week, I, I'm just wondering, you know, I'm questioning, Lord, like the mercy of God that you had to pull out. Like, do you have anything left for next week? Do you have anything next, left for the next tragedy that's sure to occur? Uh, I'm going to give a little demonstration here to, to help us uh, see that, somebody push this over, that there's going to be enough mercies for everything that we need. How many of you can tell me how much water is in this pitcher? Okay, about a gallon, perhaps. How many quarts? Okay, all right. Uh, about, how many, about how many cups do you think? All right. What about... Uh, drops. How many, how many drops do you think are in this pitcher of water? Let's go ahead and do a quick count. Uh, I'm going to just go ahead and start making some drops here. And you count with me, okay? Here we go. We're going we're gonna to figure out how many drops of mercy <laughs> water is in this picture. Here we go. Well, one. Two, three, four, five. Count with me. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty. And there's even more. Why? Why is there more in here? There's enough water in here for everybody. But what I want to say to everybody in here, if there's so much water, if there's so many drops of water in this pitcher, how much more mercy do you think God has? It's never ending. It's never ending. There's not enough. We barely can't even take enough water here. There's a thousand drops of water in here. And I'm here to let somebody know that God has more mercy than drop, more mercy than the drops of water that is in this pitcher right here. Somebody ought to give God praise for that. That there's enough mercy, there's enough faithfulness for everybody in this room. You don't ever have to be discouraged. You don't ever have to worry about, Lord, am I going to be able to make it? Lord, how are we going to get through this? There is enough mercy. He promises that they are new every single morning. New every morning. You do not have to rely on the strength that has been depleted today to somehow carry over tomorrow. I just came by to encourage you today that God's faithfulness is sure. God's compassions are, it's impossible for his compassions to fail. And his mercy continues to be poured out upon us. Drop upon drop upon drop upon drop. There aren't enough days 
for God's mercy. Let's stand together. I just wanted you to be strengthened today and know that you're going to be able to make it. You're going to be able to make it through whatever it is that you're going through right now because God's faithfulness is great. Let's sing this song as a sign of solidarity, a sign of commitment to God's faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus. Just the chorus. Great is thy faithfulness. Sing. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning. <laughs>